Good morning, everyone, and happy Thursday, and welcome to I Take Bravo Very Seriously with me, your host, Dana Mandel. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. Um, I know some of you have been maybe expecting some more information regarding um, some James Kennedy allegations that I've been talking about and that some other content creators have been talking about. Um, I was hoping to actually get some more information by now in order to give you guys more of an update. Unfortunately, I think that may not be coming until Friday, but what I'm going to do now is sort of just give you a synopsis of where we are. And as soon as we get um, new information, I'll definitely be dropping that on Instagram maybe I'll even drop an emergency pod. Um, we'll see what happens based on what information comes out. Um, so basically what we know so far um, are allegations that Kristen Doty has made in the past where um, we know that there was an incident where at Sheena's wedding, Kristen pushed James and then James pushed, or sorry, um, Kristen punched James and then James pushed Kristen into a bush and that part was cut. Yes, cr what Kristen did wasn't okay, and, but I'll actually take from Rachel here when she was talking about how you can be two things at once. You can be a person who needs to take accountability and has done something wrong and you can also be a person who is a victim and that's what I think Kristen is here. Um, this is a bit of new information. I can tell you that James broke Kristen's finger um, and that I have that on good authority. I can tell you that from her book, I mean, if any of you have read her book, she doesn't name James, but there's definitely information in her book, especially because it's in chronological order, that suggests that um, he was physically abusive with her. Um, I'll just look here and read you guys a little excerpt. So things like, and then it escalated, broken furniture, shattered picture frames and mirrors, door slamming and holes punched in the wall. Once that line had been crossed, it was only a matter of time before he put his hands on me, shoving, pushing, and physical restraint. Somehow he could do all these things and still manipulate me into staying with him. Once he'd calmed down, he would apologize, always so contrite, always promising it would never happen again, until it happened again and again and again. He was really good at making me feel guilty and better at making me feel like I deserved it. He knew my stories of my crazy past and used them against me in any way he could. He told me no one would ever love me or be with me if I left him and that I'd be alone forever. And I believed him. There were so many times I thought, I wanted out and thought I had the strength to leave for good. His apologies and cries for help always wrote me back in. He would tell me how depressed he was and beg for my forgiveness. How can I leave someone who really needs help? But he made me feel so responsible for his mental health, and I asked myself this question over and over again. I mean, she goes into other things, which is so typical of um, people who have undergone abuse, where your friends start getting upset with you, and like, especially with Kristen. I mean, we've seen this in, in her other relationships, where she'll complain about her relationships, and then she'll downplay it. And then her friends just sort of get confused, like, are you happy? Are you not? Are you going to leave him? Are you not? And she admits to doing that in this situation. She said that she, you know, would forgive him and then her friends would, you know, ask her why she's still with him and get upset for being with him. But then she would downplay um, the incidents that happened. So at the end of the day, that could leave your friends confused. And I can sort of understand that. And so unfortunately for Kristen, she does have this... Um, reputation is crazy Kristen and no one's gonna believe her and she's abusive as well and you know it's like I said she can still be a victim but it's so unfortunate in situations like this where you feel like you can't even say anything because no one will believe you um other things that we talked about were um your moms are watching who had posted um a while back before the season 10 reunion that Kristen once had to 
um, leave her home and was hiding from James and she was sleeping at um, your moms are watching her like her friend's house, her friend Elisa, and Kristen responded to that and confirmed that that happened. Um, we also had a message that I saw on Reddit where someone, and this is all from my previous Pump Rules and Pump Rules adjacent episode. Um, I'm just sort of recapping what we know in terms of each person. Um, there was a message someone had posted in Reddit about seeing Kristen in season eight at Pride and talking, and she was talking about James hitting her. And then that ended up being cut out and or her entire presence was sort of cut out of pride. But this person distinctly heard her saying that to somebody. Um, so that's what we have there. Then there was um, the information that came out of the season 10 reunion by Tom Sandoval about a appearance that Tom, Tom and James did where he allegedly slapped a waitress on the butt and then had to sign something saying that she wouldn't sue. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know if that's being investigated by anybody, that particular incident. But as I mentioned in last week's episode, that sort of just got brushed under the rug because of the scandal of it all and how much that was going on. Um, then recently, sorry, this was just the other day. Um, I want to credit the content creator. I just, what was her account? Yes, Goodbye Glam Squad. So she found this tweet of Jax's. I'm actually not sure when it's from because she had sort of covered the date but it says I'm not petty but he hits girls as you saw so if my girl is going to be is going to be sorry <laughs> I am not petty but he hits girls as you saw so if my girl is going you better bet your ass I'm going to be around and this is in response to him going to something where Brittany was going to be there and James was going to be there um so that's pretty telling then um we also had the article that I had posted about Lala from 2015 um, that was published in Jezebel.com. Um, that article referenced a December 14th, 2015 interview that a podcast interview that Lala did with someone named, or it was called the Nick Ritchie podcast. And I can no longer find it. It's nine years old, but in that article, and I'm not going to read it again, you can uh, see it on my Instagram or listen to the previous episode. Um, but that article detailed her first sexual encounter with James and how she was completely blacked out and didn't know that it happened until the next day when she saw the condom wrapper and he had to tell her that they had sex um, in the shower. So that was very telling and very sort of upsetting to read as well. Um, so then the other information that sort of came out, oh, sorry, we have one more thing. So this is sort of a little bit new, but a little bit old. So in some of the information I had posted last week, um, which had linked us to the Jezebel article. Someone had said that Jax had been on the Jackie Schimmel's podcast, uh, The Bitch Bible, and had said some concerning things about James. So I'm actually going to play that for you now. And there's actually also an interview that she did with Kristen. These are within like a couple of months of each other, but I cannot believe that these still exist. So take a listen to this. James Kennedy and the things that he was doing and his patterns like kind of make you look inward and be like, holy fuck, like that's what I was doing and then rejig the format. Well, I don't like to be, I, you know, I compare myself to him a little bit, but the things that he's done, which have not been talked about, are way worse than what I've done. I yes. way now I, considering what I've done is bad, and I'm not justifying. I'm not saying who's worse and who's no. I think bad, you've taken pretty, you've taken accountability. Yeah, for what I, we, we're just not allowed to talk about the things that he's done. I know, and what he's he should be 
not on the show anymore. I mean, to be honest, it's... I kind of alluded to that in uh, an episode with Kristen because I have heard things that it's... And I understand protecting the franchise. Protecting protecting the the franchise, the network, yes. And your cast. And listen, this is how you guys make money. It's a really popular show, but... If everybody's saying it, I really... I know. And it's just one of those things that just kind of, you know, we have to stay away from. And it really bothers me because he just kind of is just getting away with murder, really. And it's just... It's it's fucking frustrating. I can't wait to do a tell-all book when this is all over because I'm going to do it. As soon as we, as soon as this is done, I'm going to do the best tell-all book. And I'm going to tell everyone every single detail that has happened. <laughs> Whether it's hurtful or not, I will tell it. And I will buy it. <laughs> so it's going to be great. Well, I feel like shit's going to come out about James that's going to be irreparable and they're going to have to make him go bye-bye. And just from hearsay, I have heard things about James that is protected in a vault Mm -hmm. just so that to keep the, you know, sanctity of the show and to not like have it be a whole situation. But I have, you know, heard things firsthand Mm -hmm. that I would not repeat either that maybe he's going to need to go bye-bye. Yeah. That's, you know, you know, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. A girl can dream, <laughs> girl can right? Dream. And you're trying, and you're doing the Lord's work. You just keep on that fight. I'm okay? trying to make everyone's dreams come true. <laughs> Please. I'm- okay, so wow, I could not even believe that those clips exist. It's kind of crazy that Jackie Schimmel is flat out saying that there's information that the show is keeping in the vault about James that is like concerning to protect the show. And Jax is saying it too, like, yeah, we got to protect our show. We have to keep all of these things a secret. I mean, what? Like, this is actually terrifying to sort of hear. And in 2024, Jackie Schimmel would never say on the air that, like, she has all of this information that a network is keeping quiet to protect the show. Like, that would never happen. But here we go, and these have resurfaced. And, you know, I think we missed our window with Jax's tell-all book because he had a few years there where he wasn't really doing anything, and that would have been the best time if we had known about this. I would have hit him up and be like, hey, how about that book? But, um... Now he's on the valley, so he is tied back in with money. And that's the other thing about Kristen as well. I mean, not only does she have this um, reputation for being crazy Kristen, and therefore a lot of people don't believe her, the other issue is that now she's employed again with the valley, right? So she's back with the network, she's back with Bravo TV, and she's been unemployed for many years, so I could totally understand why, if this is the industry she wants to be in, I mean, it's such a sacrifice. You're literally sacrificing your morals, your ethics, everything. But this is her chance back in, right? So I could see why maybe now she's definitely not going to come forward. Okay, so the other piece of new slash old information is that there's this um, podcast that Tom Schwartz and Tom Sandoval did with Teddy and Tamara two teas in a pod back in December of 2023, where they talk about um, riding in an Uber with James and Allie from the MTV Movie Awards in 2022. So I'm going to play this clip for you guys, and then we're going to just chat about it a bit. It was the MTV Awards. We started to leave. Everybody's pulling out. We're like, okay, who do we go with? We have like the Selling Sunset little guys. We're like... like, we're not going with them. <laughs> uh, why? No. Okay. If I'm taller than you, it's problematic. Oh, whoa. Um, okay. So oh, are you talking about the Oppenheimer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then we, uh, apparently though, seeing James Kennedy, we're like, yeah, come with us. We'll go. We decide we're going to go to whatever that party you guys were at. Oh, yeah. The, uh, we went to after party. I think that's where I met uh, West, uh, Chanel West Coast. Oh, it was and, the Comedy Central. And uh, Johnny Bananas. Okay. 
Johnny Bananas. No, we, it was like a list I of love that. Johnny Bananas. Maybe yeah, it was great. at Tom Tom. Well, yeah, we came. To, we went to Tom Tom. We went to Tom yeah, we Tom. Yeah. But there was an altercation. Wasn't, yeah, wasn't there like, something happened? I don't know. Like I don't think we need to talk about that. But we, ha- Tamara and I, had to separate because we had. No, we had to, to jump out of the car. <laughs> yeah, but you jumped out with one human, and then I jumped out with the other, and then I was wor- all I kept thinking was. If paparazzi sees me walking down the street with this person, like holding their arm, walking them into Lisa Vanderpump's club, like what is going to happen? Mm, but but then I saw that person as the voice of reason the following season, and I was like, what is going on? Okay, so right before that, before they get into not wanting to get into the car with the Oppenheimer guys, um, they had said that James Kennedy was like, yeah, come with us. So my source confirms for me that... Um, there was a physical altercation between James and Allie in the car and they were separated. Teddy went with one and Tamara went with the other. That's all the information I can provide at this point. Um, But this podcast or this information sort of came to light a little bit more recently. And then up in Adam, um, Adam Newell, who knows the group from working at the various restaurants and now he has his podcast up in Adam. um, He TikToked about it and he did a post about it about these allegations coming up now. Then the next day, he said that he was asked to take that down by someone within the group and that that someone would like to tell that story themselves. So the internet started speculating and going wild. To me, that meant it was either going to be Teddy, Tamara, James, or Allie because those are the people there. Teddy and Tamara have, you know, sort of don't have a reason to tell that story and have sort of implied they don't want to sort of be involved in that story based on how that podcast went when... um. Tamara was like, oh, we don't need to get into that. James doesn't do podcasts and isn't really good at speaking up for himself. And the only one who may be harmed here is Allie. And it is now confirmed that Allie is doing shenanigans on Friday. So that definitely means that Sheena was the person in the group who asked um, Adam to take that down. And Allie is the person who wants to tell that story herself. I am anticipating, so this podcast comes out on Thursday, Um, that episode will come out on Friday, and I will recap it for you as soon as I can, probably do a bonus episode, Um, but I'm assuming that that story will not be the same story that I just told you, um, unfortunately, so I do think Ali has been posting a lot of things that purport her to be very innocent, Uh, James has been doing a lot of, like, social media posting lately, um... And it's it sort of seems like they're putting on a front, especially with his sobriety. Um, the last thing I can confirm, which I did confirm in the previous episode, but there is an investigation going on. The exact allegations I'm not positive of, so I don't feel comfortable saying. I can say that um, NBC hired a third-party legal firm to conduct the investigation, and it started in October. That is all the information I can provide at this point. I have more information, but... Um, I decided it was best to provide that information to the people who could best do something about it, and I'm hoping that will happen. So hopefully I'll have more information for you soon, and definitely after Friday after shenanigans. 
Oh, and I forgot to mention the Raquel of it all. I'm such an idiot. So yes, that's what sort of brought this all back up again. And again, this is just a recap, but just to remind you, the initiating information was how um, Rachel had said on a previous episode of, uh, or a recent episode of Rachel Goes Rogue, that she broke up with James for a reason that could ruin his life. Then I posted about that on Instagram and speculated whether there was abuse. Jamie Lynn, who's one of Sheena's best friends, liked that and commented about reactive abuse still being abuse and then she started following me then I listened to her Patreon and she was talking about an investigation that came up um, on emo night and that there was information about um, something that happened that's worse than cheating and she also mentioned that she spoke with Bethany Frankel and she also mentioned that um, she had reached out to Raquel and the reason she had reached out to her was because now that she has a better understanding of the mindset Raquel might have been in at the time of her breakup with James she may better understand why she then did the actions that she did and to that that kind of makes me feel like what kind of mindset could she have been in at the time that also relates to something that she broke up with him for that could ruin his life, right? To me, again, it just all ties in together. But as I said, I will report more information to you as soon as I have it. Oh, and one other point, um, those, um, Jackie Schimmel, the bitch Bible, um, clips that I posted for you, those are actually from 2019. So those are from February, 2019. So I believe the cast would have been in season seven at that time. Defeats, proof, timeline, screenshots. Okay, so I'm going to quickly recap um, Rachel Goes Rogue from February 1st, her episode 6, because episode 7, episode 6 came out the same day as this podcast or the day after, so I didn't get a chance to recap it with you guys, and episode 7 was just her talking to a psychiatrist and wasn't really relevant, but episode 6 did have some more meat to it because she had discussed watching sort of the first episode of Vanderpump Rules. Um, So, of course, she had her podcast producers there with her, and she said she had some FOMO at the opening credits. And that's when it really sank in for her that she's not on the season and that, you know, she didn't take that decision lightly. Um, She said she thought the opening credits looked good and that everyone was on point and that it's a very big honor to get to be in the opening credits. And I can understand that there was only a certain number of people for quite some time. Um, So in the first episode, it's been three months since the scandal. Um... She's asked how it feels to see her ex on TV in a healthy relationship, and she said she doesn't think it's a healthy relationship um, because he had broken up and gotten together with Ali so quickly, so he didn't have time to reflect on himself, um, and it's there's just like a lot of emotions, and she was nervous really talking about it because she said that was her fiancé and that was someone she was going to spend the rest of her life with. She said that they were actually looking at houses with a pool and they were ready to take that next step, so she just sort of feels like he's inserting Ali into that dream. I don't know how much I agree with that because like a house with a pool is like not that individual. I think lots of people want those things. So I wouldn't think it's kind of crazy for them to get a house with a pool, but I digress. Um, So then they're talking about this sort of how James has the same storyline where he's sober again, but he has a new girl with the same problems. She said that he was sober for two years and when they broke up, he was sober. So his issues weren't from drinking. So for her, she sees it's like a repeat patterns a mile away. Um, She's asked by the producers if she sees James and Ellie making it, and she says she'll see because Ellie is a patient person, um, and there's a motive in her to help, um, which is so true. I think we definitely see that in terms of her passion for astrology and for helping people. 
Um, she said that he's older now and he has more life experience, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of growth there. And she said that her advice to Ellie is don't fall in, so in love with the potential of somebody. She sees a lot of similarities between James and Tom. Um, she said in love, she was in love with the potential of Tom. And that's so true. I think we, we all do that sometimes where we're into somebody and they have certain characteristics or lack of maybe that um, are so important to us and we're just hoping that they'll change and we're hoping that things become different and then you sort of just end up in this spiral of like, how did I get here, you know? Um, she said that was a pattern she didn't really realize, so she did this with both um, James and Tom. Um, she said it's a weird time warp watching this because she's in a different place now. It's so funny to think about because Scandival was almost a year ago and it, it, it feels so far away but also so close at the same time. Um, she said her younger self was in love and was infatuated when she was still sending mail to Tom. So when that sort of came up, you know, on the episode, she said that by remaining in contact, um, she wanted to take this time, like, now to apologize because she's in a different place now than she was then and she apologized at the reunion but um she said that she also hated what um tom said about her on the vile files about her doing some 20 year old varsity blues whipped cream thing and she said that it's sort of the way he described it made her seem like a temptress and what was so funny was that she had to google it because she's too young to know what that is my friend breaking the rules pod you have to take a look at her post uh from last week she had posted like Polly d being like you know if she doesn't know varsity blues she's too young for you bro which is so true <laughs> she that she had to google it um, the producer said that he put a lot of blame on Ariana and their sex life and her talking down to him and he won't take accountability. Um, and she said that, like, could you ever be friends with, like, James or Sandoval again? And she said, no, those two are iced out. She said that back when she was still in communication with Tom, um, she was still trying to limit phone calls with him at the Meadows. Um, but if she didn't reach out to him for a day or two, he would get upset and take out his frustrations on her. Um, so she felt like she had to maintain his emotional needs. And she said the amount of times Tom called her selfish when she was at the Meadows and said that she was running away from her problems and that she's dependent on that place. That's basically an assisted living facility. Um, that's fucked up. I mean, it's so funny because him saying that she's running away when literally she went to get help when... You know, and we're going to discuss this um, next when we recap Vanderpump Rules uh, episode two. But the fact that Tom was off, you know, doing his rock star lifestyle and that he wasn't there for Tom Schwartz or the bar or James or anyone else. He just disappeared and everyone said, wow, he was running away from his problems. So that's fucked up. Also, she says she places a lot of importance on her mental health. And he didn't, right? And her saying that is so similar to her relationship with James because he was so emotional and there was always so much going on with him and she had to put aside her emotional needs for him and she could see very clearly that she had to do the same for um, for Tom, right? And that's why, again, it was so good that she did not go back to the show and that she went to this place because having that space allowed her to, to gain this clarity. Um, she's asked if... 
you know, the, or the producer says, we've seen Lala sort of have a shift of heart and she sends you a voice note and is the only one in the episode who is open to that bridge and speaking to you and being empathetic towards you and like, what's your perspective on that? And she said that at that point, she was actually at the Meadows and didn't have access to her phone. So it was her publicist who had access to her Instagram and she's the one who got it and listened to it. Um, Rachel said that she did listen to it when she got out, but she felt like she didn't trust Lala and her intentions. And as she's watching this season and she's like, okay, she did it on camera. That makes sense because it allows for the dialogue to take place for Rachel to come back into the group. Um, and at that point they were trying to find ways to bring her back. Um, Rachel said that she can understand that Lala did have a lot of trauma with Randall. So she has no doubt that she had those feelings of isolation and could relate to Rachel in that sense, but she can also see her for what it is and mention that she didn't reach out to her on her own time and only reached out to her through filming. Which is true, but as I mentioned in my last episode, I mean, it has to be two things, right? You are making TV as well, but I, it wasn't actually that far in time. It was actually only a couple weeks, if you listen to my last episode. Um, she said that frenemy is a good way to describe her relationship with Lala, and she was just sort of that one person she couldn't find common ground with. Um, she said that Lisa, well, with the whole Graham stuff, she said that, um, she knows that Lisa's an executive producer on the show and, um, it's apparent that this conversation happened, this one between Lisa and Lala, where they're discussing whether Lala should like have a conversation with Rachel or reach out. She's saying that this conversation happened so she could drive the storyline of Rachel coming back. Um, and... She said that it was a very scary moment for her when she did that final five minute like interview on camera and sitting in that interview chair because she was revealing the truth. Um, and she saw this as the ultimate betrayal to him. And it was so sad now to think that that was her mindset because she had, fe she had felt so isolated. She had lost all her friends. She had felt like her whole world had turned upside down because the people she was talking to every day were also releasing information that she was telling them and she couldn't keep track of who told who. So she really couldn't trust anyone. So that really forced her to confide in Tom in that crisis moment. Um, and she didn't process what happened until she was sort of in survival mode, until it sort of felt like she was going to lose everything if she betrayed Tom on that level. Um, she said she's come closer to knowing herself better now. Um, she's asked if it bothers her, whether they call her Ra uh, Raquel during the episode, and she says no, it's actually sometimes weirder to hear Rachel. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. She says she's going to continue watching the season on the edge of her seat. Um, but that whole piece about, you know, having only Tom, I mean, that must have been so difficult at a time where there was a few people within that friend group who were still reaching out to her. But she has said this a couple of times now where then that information will be released. So I'm very curious to hear who those people were. And that is kind of fucked up because it's one thing if you want to side with Ariana, 100%, go, team Ariana. But don't, you know make Rachel think that you're her friend in, in a time where she's, you know, not in her best place, especially she's in a mental facility. And, you know, if she feels like she can't trust people or people are then relaying information back, that could really affect her mental health and her progress. So it's, I think it's pretty fucked up that people were doing that. And I'm kind of curious um, who those people were at the time. Name them. That what? Name them. Well, name what you em. did was ridiculous. Name uh, Not having, name uh, well, be quiet. So name let em. me talk, Jesus. Okay, let's get into our VPR Season 11, Episode 2 Recap. So we start where 
Tom is in this episode. So it was actually kind of nice not having him in last episode and just sort of see where everyone is catching up and their feelings towards Tom without having him there. But it's kind of funny because I kind of forgot he and Rachel weren't there because they were mentioned so much. But in this episode, Tom comes back from Special Forces and he's talking to Anne. Do you guys know Anne? Anne is the best. Anne was Tom's assistant. Um, she recently quit and she started a podcast called We Signed an NDA with one of the girls from The Vile Files. And she's so, so awesome. I asked her if she could do my podcast and she said she's not sure if she's allowed and she gave me the contact person at NBC to see if she's allowed. So cross your fingers, guys. That would be so awesome because poor fucking Anne in this episode, guys. So um, he, you know, this is his first interview. He says, you know, he's found himself these past few months um, on the receiving end of so much hate. And um, at Special Forces, like he wanted, he realized like he wanted to learn to be able to throw um, like, or deal with everything that life throws at him, but he also wanted to punish himself, which is something he said on the show, and I think it's bullshit. Um, so Sandoval says he's not okay with Schwartz, because Schwartz went on Jax's podcast and talked shit about him, and he had basically said that the optics of the band made it look like he didn't give a fuck, and he was living out his, uh, rock star dreams. So Tom said he felt betrayed by Schwartz. I mean... Schwartz had a reason at the time to feel really betrayed by Tom. Um, you know, he didn't, honestly, I don't think what he said was that bad. I think, you know, he just, he did go out with his band and he left everything else. So it, it did really seem that way. Um, I don't see how it could be perceived anyways. And it was really affecting Schwartz and he had to deal with a lot on the back burner. So I don't, it's just that Sandoval just is always like, if you're not completely on my side, then you're my enemy, you know? Um, so Tom tells Anne that he wants to have a birthday party because his birthday is the next day and he wants to have it at the house. And he said that maybe she could ask if Ariana wants to stay at a nice hotel. And Anne looks like so nervous and she's like, oh, okay, I'll ask. Um, so Ariana, Ariana updates us and says that um, Tom has been doing these weird things like opening her mail and putting her plates on her car. Um, and he also got a white noise machine because the things that he was saying were being overheard by Ariana and her friends. And like... Okay, first of all, Tom, it's illegal to open somebody's mail. And second of all, like, that is so conspiracy theory, psycho shit. Like, a white noise machine, because they're, like, contacting, like, page six, and they're, like, listening under the door to see what you're saying or hear what you're saying? No. So Anne um, asks Ariana about Tom's party, and Ariana said that it's extremely disrespectful and inappropriate, and if there are people here making noise, she will call the cops. And poor Anne just looks so nervous and, like... Guys, I love Ariana, but she is a little bit rude to Anne. And it's it's more just like this matter of fact sort of thing. And it's not directed at her, it's Tom. But poor Anne is literally being put in the middle of the situation. And I wonder if she just like lives in the kitchen to just be in between them, basically, because it seems to be that's the center of the house. Um, Anne tells Ariana that Jason is coming over and Ariana said that that's fine. She's just going to keep existing in her own house. Um, so then we see Lisa and she says that after 10 years, they decided to close pump because the rent is going up. Um, I don't know where, and I don't want to delve too much into this cause I don't really care, but I heard that someone came out and I don't know who in particular, but someone came out saying that Lisa and Ken are liars and that the rent didn't go up and that wasn't the reason they closed, but I really don't give a shit. Um, then there's this scene of Allie and James going for a walk and talking about getting a dog and deciding whether they're ready. And this just feels like this was filmed like 
later because it it would be sort of like what are the odds that you just went for this walk and talk and then a couple days prior you film the scene with lisa where she's like oh what happened to graham while you're at while raquel's at treatment that that could have happened because i mean that is something a lot of us were thinking right she went into treatment she lived alone with graham like where's the dog initially right i was thinking that initially when she got into treatment before we found out that the dog was with her parents and had to be given to a shelter so um or a training center, whatever it was. So, um, yeah, that was sort of strange. And I, I guess this is just sort of how they film these things. And it just makes more sense to do just what they call like a pickup scene afterwards, just to sort of make the story flow and to make it make sense. Um, James had said that he had never gotten over Graham, that he had had the best bond with him. Um, and so, I mean, we know that we're going to see them come back together because we were literally watching this over the entire summer. We know that when Rachel gave her dog to this um, Golden Doodle Rescue, it, uh, that place ended up contacting Lisa Vanderpump, who ended up uh, taking the dog, flying him to Lake Tahoe, which will be one of the cast trips um, that will be upcoming on this season. And the dog will be given back to James, who will be renaming him to Hippie. Um... Tom Sandoval said that he's lost a lot of long-term friends, so he's leaned into the ones he has, like Jason. Um, he said that he hasn't talked to Raquel in a few weeks, and he's very still in love with her. I don't know if he ever really was. I mean, it's interesting now to hear Rachel say that she wasn't, um, but she's had that opportunity to do so much work and have so much introspection, and he hasn't. Um, you know, he went out on the road and he kept doing his thing. And it's also kind of annoying because can we remember the fact that during that entire time that she was in that place, he was being seen with various different women in various different towns constantly, right? We were capturing these photos constantly. So I remember Rachel mentioned it in one of her previous podcast episodes where she had to sort of, she kept hearing about that and had to ask him, but I'm curious what he said about that because you're so much in love with her, but you're, you're banging chicks left and right. Um... So then Tom tells uh, Jason that Ariana had said no to the party. And Jason's like, is she allowed to tell you that? And Anne said, well, Ariana said that she would call the cops. And Jason looks appalled, like he had never heard of such a thing. And if I'm not mistaken, and I may be mistaken, so correct me if I am mistaken, but I feel like the cops have been called to their house before because of Noe's complaints because of Tom's party. So I don't know why he's looking so appalled as if like Tom would be arrested. It's not crazy for someone to make a noise complaint. People do that over like high school parties. So it's kind of funny. But anyway, um, then we have Lala and Ariana meeting for smoothies and Ariana tells Lala that Anne asked if Tom could have a party for his birthday there tomorrow and we'll get her a hotel. And Ariana was like, this is my house. And we're seeing a different side of Lala here because she's coming from it from more of like a logical standpoint. She's like, but okay, but like, isn't he allowed to have a party at the house? And Ariana's like, yeah, but I'm also allowed to call the cops for a noise complaint. And Lala's like, okay, but why would you do that? And she's like, well, because um, he has these really late crazy parties. And if I have shit to do the next day, and Lala's like, okay, but wouldn't it be easier to move out? And Ariana's like, yeah, once the house sells. She said that because she's not here for him trying to assert his dominance until she cowers and let him do whatever. And Lala's like, yeah, but he's getting off on making you uncomfortable. And so Tom wants to buy her out and stay there. And Ariana said that she's not going to hitchhike down the road because Tom offered her some money. And Lala's like, okay, but you don't want him to, to buy you out because that would make his life easy. And she's like, yes. And I appreciate that honesty because like, is she being petty as Nick Vile said? Yes, she is being petty with the home, but I feel like she has that right to be. 
Um, she says the fact of the matter is he broke the home, so he doesn't get to do that and keep it. And I, that's exactly sort of what I've been saying. And, and I sort of understand what she's saying where she doesn't, she doesn't want to let him sort of break her down until she, until she caves, right? Because he always does that. Like, remember that birthday party? Um, it was like her 30th birthday party was really, really important to her that he, he like be present for her birthday and he wanted to go to Vegas to like crash or to like drive trucks and crash them into each other, like dump trucks or something. And she'd explain, no, 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 like so many times, I really want you to be here. I really want you to be here. There's so many reasons why until she finally broke down and said, okay, fine. Right. And in this case, they're not in a relationship anymore. So she doesn't have that sort of same reason to cower and cave and like, why should she? I totally understand. Ariana said that Dan has made her reconsider having a family. She said he's the first person she's like, oh, I could see what this could be like. And he's opened her eyes to the possibility she couldn't see with Tom. She said with Dan, she's opened her eyes that there are different types of partners who would be like a real 50-50 partner. And she tells Lala that he's 40, never been married, and no kids. And Lala said that makes her nipples get hard. Now, this is interesting. And again, I love Ariana, you guys. But I just want to give my honest opinion because that's what this podcast is. I think she's lying. I think she... I mean, she wanted to she wanted to spend the rest of her life with Tom. She loved him wholeheartedly, despite his flaws. And I don't think one of those were one of his flaws, that she was worried that he would be a bad father. I think she's always not wanted kids. And I think she's saying this because she knows Tom will see this because he is required to watch the show for the show. And she wants to say things like that to hurt him, to make him feel bad, to make him uncomfortable, to make him feel like, oh, I'm the one who was wrong or, oh, I was a piece of shit. Um, that, that's honestly my opinion there. Um, then we have Lisa and Ken going to the pump closing party and Schwartz is bartending it. And now he's like comfortable bartending. Uh, you may recall like 10 seasons ago, he was asked to do one shift at pump and couldn't do it for more than, I don't know, what was it? 45 minutes an hour, freaked out and went home. If you think about that now, how insane that is. Cause first of all, it's not like he hadn't have had bartending experience. He had, this man could not do a simple job for one hour. It is wild, but it's great TV, right? It's great TV. Um, all the girls come and, um, Schwartz tells Lisa that he sort of feels like they all had to clean up Sandoval's mess and the partners don't want to work with him and the partners say that Sandoval's not welcome there. Um, but Schwartz sort of felt like he didn't expect Sandoval to fully check out and he thought he would be more like proactive pitching ideas for how to like weather this issue. Um, and Tom just feels like Sandoval jeopardized the business. And now this is the first time that I've heard this and I do actually kind of agree with Lisa here. So Lisa says that she actually thinks it's unfair for Schwartz to blame Sandoval for the demise of the business because how would Sandoval expect to know that the business would go bad for having an affair? And it's funny because we keep hearing everywhere, every podcast, every interview, every everything being like, he should have known what this was going to do to the business. He did this to the business partners. He did this to the staff that worked there. He should have known. In all fairness, something to the level of Scandal has sort of never happened in pop culture history before. And even, and as we've said many, many times, very similar incidences have happened on the show and it has not affected anyone's businesses on the show. That being said, those were like many, many years ago before social media, before these kinds of things. But I don't know why Tom thought that his restaurant business would be affected by his breakup with Ariana. I, I do agree with that. Um, then we have, um, Sheena going to do an emo screamo version of Good as Gold, which I think is hilarious. So there's this whole emo night thing, which is 
a very important night that we need to keep an eye out for for episode three because this is the night that um, Jamie Lynn, Sheena's best friend, who I mentioned in my last podcast episode, Pump Rules and Pump Rules Adjacent, sorry, not my last episode, episode five, where I discussed um, the allegations against James Kennedy. Um, I had mentioned that Jamie Lynn on her Patreon episode, and I had clipped that for you, mentioned that she had found out concerning information on this emo night. Um, so keep an eye out for her in the background, definitely. But we only get a few minutes of it anyways in this episode. Um, but it's funny because we have, so Sheena just like doing her regular like, you know, and touch my body. Let's have us a good time! So it's kind of like terrifying, but also hilarious. Um, good for Sheena, man. You know, she has really pumped out as many versions of this song as possible. There's the Uber version. There's There's so many versions of this song, so... It is, keeps being good as gold. Um, she just tells Brock that since having summer, um, or she tells us, sorry, the cameras, that since having summer, um, she's got, uh, been diagnosed with postpartum OCD and it sort of attaches to your worst fears. She said it took a year for her to be able to do anything alone with summer. And outside of immediate family, she doesn't let anyone watch summer. So she's talking with Brock about them going to emo night, which is going to be the next night, which is basically just like a club night where they're going to DJ. So Sheena talks about doing that with Ariana and, um, Katie and how they did it back in April. Um, so they're going to be using this song for that, I guess, when they're doing their DJ set. Um, so Brock is like, okay, so, you know, since we're going out, like, we need someone to watch Summer. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to let Tori do it because that's someone I've known for a long time. And then we'll see and get to know Tori in a later scene. But it's really interesting about this postpartum OCD. And um, I feel like I didn't bring it up on the last episode because I feel like I've known about it for a long time because I listened to Sheena's podcast. Um, so it didn't feel like new information. But even just the her OCD in general, it's so interesting to see how much it affects her and it really does sort of explain so many of her behaviors in previous seasons. I mean, look at her relationship with Rob and her obsession with things being perfect and everything being perfect. Same with her wedding to Shay, right? I mean, those are her tendencies that we used to make fun of. Now I kind of feel bad because those are OCD tendencies that she actually couldn't help because she just wasn't properly diagnosed at that time, right? Um, then we see Schwartz and Sandoval do a meetup at the Belmont for drinks, um, but Sandoval's not drinking. He said he got sober because Raquel was going away to a facility and he knew that she couldn't drink. So he didn't want to like be drinking and going out and doing all that kind of thing because he felt like they could do it together once she got out. That doesn't make any sense. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. Like you did go out, Tom, you were out constantly. Like, yeah, you weren't drinking allegedly, but you were like banging women all the time because you were out on tour. So you were like out with women, out doing all these things. Drinking wasn't really like a, big problem I'm in this respect like it didn't cause this affair or anything so it, it just really doesn't make any sense um so Sandoval apologizes to Schwartz for the collateral damage and he's like I can feel that you're really angry at me and he explains that he had to tour because his bank account was withdrawn and Ariana has been paying the bills for eight months and Tom is paying for everything um I just want to touch on this for a second because this was dealt with or mentioned on the after show. So Ariana explained on the after show that they used to have this one joint account where all the money would come out of, like all their bills would come out of. And then when they refinanced in 2021, that changed and then it became just Tom's bank account. So then he would come to her and say, oh, you owe me this much. And she said that, um, you know, she'd been coming to him for years to ask for like an itemized breakdown of like where he's getting this number from and he wasn't able to provide it. And then his response on the after show was, well, like I shouldn't have to get like an accountant to like prove that I'm pulling money from here and here. Like 
these are the bills and this is where it's coming from. Now, I think they're both wrong here. I mean, I don't know. I mean, at this point, obviously, they shouldn't have a joint account. They are no longer together. But it is weird that she had to keep sort of like writing him checks and stuff like that. And and she's saying like, you know, maybe I would deal that stuff, deal with that stuff when I was with him, but not now because like we're not together. So I shouldn't have to trust that. So he should be able to provide me with records. Okay, yes, fine. But you said you've been asking him for years for this. And you also were paying up until a certain point. So, you know, you were trusting him with it. But then he's saying that she hasn't paid it in eight months. And this has only been three months since the affair. So you're saying that while you, five months of while you were in a relationship, she wasn't paying you? Like, she didn't really respond to that part either. And then at the end of the day, she's saying, well, you know, because he hasn't given me that breakdown, you know, I'm not, I'm not paying. But then, like... She's also making the argument constantly, like, this is my house. This is my house. Sorry, I'm just doing her accent. But, like, okay, if it's your house, you need to be paying for it. So I don't love the idea that she has not been paying into this mortgage for this long. But at the same time, I am also so confused by Tom and his finances because he's saying to Schwartz, oh, I had to go um, on tour because I was in overdraft. But then he's saying that, oh, I can afford a nice hotel for Ariana to stay in. But then he's also saying that... Um, he was willing to buy Ariana out for 3.1 million. If you have 3.1 million, how are you in overdraft? Like you were, you made her a cash offer. Like how you, were you able to do that? So that's confusing. And remember also that at this time, in regards to the birthday party or in regards to like anything, even staying together or money and not having somewhere else to go. I mean, he did have somewhere else to go. Remember at this time, Rachel was in the mental health facility and she confirmed that she offered his apartment while she was there. So at this time, while they are filming, he had that space to go, you know, I'm just saying. So don't forget that. Um, Sandoval says to Schwartz that he was hurt, um, that he had gone on Jax's podcast of all people and saying that he's touring and living his rock star dreams. And Schwartz says that he was upset because he had to deal with so much of the bar woes. And Schwartz, um, said like he had expected Sandoval to sort of do more and like make suggestions to sort of help. Um, and Sandoval just sort of kept coming back with like, well, like they didn't want me there and I didn't know what to do. And, and, and everyone just keeps telling Sandoval this. It's so crazy that we have only had one episode with him, but you'll see this throughout the entire episode. He just continues, continues, continues to make excuses and people continue to tell him, you just need to say you're sorry. And that's what Schwartz says. All you need to be saying to me right now is sorry. And it just didn't seem like Sandoval gave a shit. Um, and this part is so interesting. So at the end of this little scene, Sandoval says... Are you going to stick with me or what? And Schwartz says, I think I'm going to do what's best for me. And good for Schwartz. But it's so interesting because Sandoval, I feel this fear inside him in this moment being like, who's who's with me and who who isn't? You know what I mean? Um, so then we have a scene where Tori comes over to Sheena's house to babysit for summer. So Tori is going to be the girl who makes up with both... Um, Schwartz and Katie and she is a musician she is best friends with Sheena's sister Courtney and so that's sort of how she comes into this right and so then we see this whole like big fight between Brock and Sheena about or he's saying that she has this inability to let things go and she tells him to shut up and that summer is her everything and that she can't just leave her with anyone and so it's a really big deal for her so she's just starting with Tori 
And Brock talks about how he misses his wife, like having a good day, how she sort of catastrophizes everything. And so just day to day for her has become so overwhelming. And I can understand like within a marriage, this being so difficult. I mean, he's, he's not looking great here. He's not looking very supportive, but I can also understand that this has been going on for a long time and that it just must be a difficulty in their marriage to, to sort of support someone through this and also to go through it. It just must be really, really difficult. I can't imagine um, sort of what she's going through. Um, I know this isn't the same <laughs> at all, but like ever since I've gotten my dog and I've only had her three months, I am just so nervous to ever leave her. I have not left her for more than an hour in the three months I've had her. I always feel like something's gonna go wrong. I always feel like something bad is gonna happen. And so I sort of understand that that fear of your baby, I guess, but it's it's probably not the same thing. But at the same time, Tori is like, while they're fighting, she's just like blank staring because she's so uncomfortable. Um, I just thought this whole fight was interesting because I see Sheena going out constantly and she's basically saying, and they're both saying, like they haven't been able to go out, they haven't been able to do anything because Sheena's too afraid to leave her baby with anyone aside from close family, but she does leave her baby with close family, it seems like all the time, like she's, it seems like she's constantly traveling and constantly going out, so I don't know about that. Um, then we have just like a quick scene of Schwartz going over to James and Allie's house and he brings him another plant, um, and... Schwartz says to the camera that, like, seeing the joy the new house brings James gives him a little sting from losing his dream home. That's so sad. I do feel really bad for him. And even says, like, never sure if I'll be a homeowner again. Ugh, that just feels so yucky. Um, and so just while they're sitting and hanging out, Sandoval texts James for his birthday. And James is like, oh, I don't know if I don't know if I should go. And then he's like, okay, maybe I'll go for a little bit. And he said that he, he needs an apology from Tom for the betrayal. Um... For me, this transition felt weird for James to just go without much of a fight, like, and just be like, I, I don't know, I just got the assumption from the season three, or sorry, season 10 part three reunion, no one was going to speak to him again. It just didn't feel like, it was literally one episode and then like, yeah, okay, I'll go to his birthday party. So I don't know if production had stepped in here like way earlier and said to everyone like, yeah, you, you can't play this game for that long and you have to just go hang out with him and you have to go talk to him. I don't really know, but I just felt like, that's quick. I don't, I don't know. That just, I feel like he went for the show. Um, so Tom's whole band comes to the, his party at the house. Um, oh, sorry that I forgot to confirm that part. Then Ariana agrees for him to have the party at the house as long as he has everyone out by midnight. So it's Tom's whole band, Kyle Chan, Brett Kenyon, Billy Lee. Um, so James gets there and Allie waits in the car Brett Kenyon goes up to James and he's like, you know, I wanted to talk to you because Katie had pushed me out of the friend group. And he's like, James is like, who the fuck is this guy? I came to talk to Tom. And this is so funny that they kept this in. So Brett Kenyon is someone who is within the friend group, one of the NPCs, non-playable characters, but he was pretty highly featured in season 10. He was the one who went skinny dipping with Ariana in um, Mexico in season 10 of Sheena's wedding. And he works for Vanderpump Dogs. So he's, he's pretty like prominently featured because he's like around the group a lot. Now he, when Scandal happened, he got in a fight with Katie Maloney. That part, I don't know what it was about, but I remember seeing he posted after that, that Katie had texted him saying something like, your energy sucks. Who are you to get involved right now? Stay away from me. I don't trust you, like that kind of thing. And then he made it all into like her text into like this song dance video, which was so funny. <laughs> and so that's what he's talking about um, to James. But it's it's funny because like, he's, it's like he's trying to bring in a storyline that they're not gonna bring in, which is fine. Why would they? But also they didn't cut it out. Like they left that in there, which just seemed so irrelevant. Um, so James and, and um, Tom sit down to talk and 
James says, like, he sort of feels like a big brother to him has gotten lost, and he's like, I never got a text from you. And Tom says, like, I'm sorry for that, I was overwhelmed. And James says, yeah, but it's been, like, months, and you looked fine on Instagram. And that's true, like, think about it, right? Because there's so many times when Tom talked about how hard this period of time was for him, but remember, he was, like, calling out Raquel's name on stage, and he was, like, changing the lyrics and doing all this stuff and out touring and, you know, probably having sex with many girls, right? So he did seem like he was fine. And then Tom does his fucking Tomism that he always does. He does his whataboutisms, where he has to turn it around and be like, but when you did the exact same thing to me, even though that's not what we're talking about right now. So, of course, he's like, okay, but... You know, when you did that shit with Kristen and James is like, okay, we're not going to talk about 10 years ago. And um, James is just like, look, man, you've still got so much growing up to do, Tom. It's sad to me. And despite the way I feel about James right now, like that's an aside, I really felt that this was such a powerful line to hear from someone so much more junior in age to him. And you just sort of look at where their life trajectories are at that point in time, you know, and and it's it's just so different. And James does appear to be the more mature one in this situation, right? It's it's crazy that Tom cannot just accept that this situation is in the now and you need to apologize for the now. And um, on the after show, he sort of explains that a bit more. He says, like, you know, I still have all this built up resentment for towards James for sleeping with Kristen, like days after we broke up, blah, 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 blah. But I'm sorry, that's sort of, again, like, I don't like James, but to me, that is on Tom. Tom forgave James. And actually, actually, here's a fun fact, y'all. I personally believe that the only reason James is even still on this show or continued to be on the show after him and Kristen broke up was because of Tom. Tom was his only connection to that group for years. Think about it. He was exiled from the group for years. And the only person that would hang out with him was Tom. And by um association ariana right and raquel but you know a lot of times where um someone is on the show who then becomes an ex they end up leaving the show if they have no other connections or unfortunately for the past two seasons for like raquel and you know taylor from southern charm they were invited back which made no logical sense so you know it just if if there was no connection to tom at that time we would have gotten rid of james years ago so think about it and if Tom wants to be the kind of person that forgives Jax for sleeping with his girlfriend and forgives Tom or sorry, forgives James for sleeping with his girlfriend, that's your decision. But then you can't come at them for the same thing. And you can't be like, well, I'm really, really mad now about it. If you're really, really mad now about it, why haven't you said anything for 10 years? You're a man who goes to therapy. You know that communication is important. Why would you hold that shit in for 10 years? Why would you pay for his engagement, Tom? That I'd like to know. It just doesn't make any fucking sense. So anyways, James pees on his bushes outside. And honestly, I think that that was a great move on James Kennedy's part, despite my feelings about James Kennedy. And uh, that's the end of the Vanderpump Rules uh, recap. And that's God, why why is it about on. the damn pasta? Get over the damn pasta. Read between the f***ing lines. It ain't about the pasta. It's not about the pasta. It's not about the pasta. Okay, so in Vanderpump Rules news of the week, I just want to update you on Lala and Kristen's beef. So we talked about that last week. And basically, um, Lala has gone on the Good Guys podcast, love that podcast, and said that she was really hurt um, when she saw that video of Kristen at Zach Peter's show laughing when Gigi was making those really hurtful comments about her parenting. And she said that Kristen 
knows what she's been through really deep down with Randall. So she just kind of found it gross that Kristen would be laughing like that. But then she, I had also alluded that if Kristen had reached out to her, they'd be good. But then on Watch What Happens Live last week, um, uh, Lala said that she, or how Kristen had mentioned, like, if a good, if someone is a good friend to you, you reach out to them. And, and Lala was like, yeah, I, I agree. If I cared about the friendship, I'd reach out. And I didn't. So I don't know if there'll be any resolution there. I hope so. I feel like these groups of people are constantly going through strife and um, it's always up and down and it's so unfortunate that we can't capture for the cameras. Actually, Jax um, had Tom Schwartz on his podcast when reality hits the other day and um, he was talking about how much um, like is going on in the Valley group chat. So there's like all these issues going on um, amongst the Valley cast. And um, he's like, honestly, I feel like we should have cameras up for this because it's still going on every day, which is funny because this just makes me think of how Kristen Doty is no longer friends with Janet Caperna, who's also on the cast. So I'm assuming it has something to do with that. And my friend uh, Breaking the Rules pod, she had also reported that she believes that Michelle and Jesse Lally, who are a couple on the show, um, got divorced during the show or separated due to something that happened on the show. So that would be interesting there. And um, also when Tom Schwartz was on his, on uh, Jax's podcast, he confirmed that he's seeing someone. So that's interesting. Um, I did hear on the VPR rules party podcast, which is the longest running Vanderpump rules podcast um, that she is 22 years old, which makes sense because Schwartz is immature and he needs somebody who doesn't, you know, expect a lot from him. Um, So that is it for news of the week. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And as I said, I'm hoping to have an update for you within the next couple of days um, on the James Kennedy allegations. And I'll definitely be reporting on what Ali says on shenanigans on Friday. But until then, keep taking Bravo very seriously. Please listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please uh, follow me on Instagram at Brunch and Bravo and at I Take Bravo Very Seriously and at TikTok at Brunch and Bravo. And um, you can also please, please, please subscribe to my YouTube channel that I take Bravo very seriously. And please guys give a five-star rating. It really helps grow the show. See you next time.